You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, a few introductory remarks uh, on the book of Job turned into this sermon uh, because there's so much there. But something that needs to be explained, and I think we need to sort out what's going on. Job, after all, is having a terrible day. I mean, it is just simply hard to imagine a day like this day. When one after another, all of his possessions are taken away from him, and then as one servant after another is coming to him to report this terrible news, finally and at last another servant comes to report that all of his children have died. And the text ends with Job with ripped clothes and shorn head and ashes on him saying, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job is, the text says, and we have to presume that Job actually wrote these words of himself. The text begins by saying that Job is blameless and upright, feared God and fled from evil. And Job wrote him this about himself, and I think it stands as the very key to the entire book, to the entire 42 chapters of Job. The first question about this text, Job being blameless and upright, is this. Does it mean that Job didn't sin or that he never did anything wrong? The answer to this question is, of course not. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, if Job had sinned and he writes this, that he's blameless and upright, then perhaps he didn't know of his sin. This is also not the case. We see Job repenting throughout the book. He confesses that he is dying and therefore that he's a sinner, that he came naked from his mother's womb and that he'll return to the dust in the same way. Job knew that he was a sinner. How is it, and I want you to think about this, how is it then that Job can write about himself, that he's a sinner, he knows he's a sinner, that he can write that he is blameless and that he is upright? The answer is in verse 6 of chapter 1. This is part of the text that we skipped, but I'll fill in some of those blanks. This is the story of the angels coming to appear before God in the heavenly council. Job chapter six, uh, chapter 1, verse 6 and following. There was a day when the sons of God, that is the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth, walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns from evil. Now, we normally take these words of God as a description of Job. Like the Lord's looking down and looking at everyone and says, well, everyone else is pretty wicked, but Job is pretty good. And he is going to now describe Job to the devil. But God's words are not descriptive words. They are declarative and creative words. When God, for example, says there is light, that he's not explaining that there's light. He's actually making light in the midst of darkness. It's like a judge. 
If you and I are watching some sort of court trial unfold on TV, we might see the defendant there and we might say he's guilty or he's innocent. We're, we're just describing him, or even better, we're probably just guessing. But if the judge standing in his office there, in this, uh, behind the bench, says he's innocent, then that person is innocent. He's not describing him to be as innocent. He's declaring him to be innocent. And likewise, when the judge says he's guilty, the same thing has happened. The, the defendant is not being described as guilty. He's being declared guilty by the judge. So it is that in Job chapter 1, verse 8, God, in his heavenly counsel, is declaring Job to be upright, declaring him to be holy, declaring him to be a fearer of God. God is, in other words, forgiving Job all of his sins in his heavenly counsel. This is the doctrine of justification. That we sinners are declared by God in heaven to be righteous and holy for the sake of Jesus. But now we get to another question. If Job's righteousness and his blamelessness comes, it, it, it comes from the word of God in the heavenly council, then how in the world does Job know about it? How does Job know? I mean, after all, what he sees on earth is his own sins, his own failings, his own shortcomings. How does Job know that God has called him holy and God has declared him forgiven? The answer is that Job knows this in the sacrifice. Job chapter 1 verse 4. Job's sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their sisters to eat and drink with him. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate him. That, that is, he would make them holy, would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of all of them. For Job said, it might have been that my children have sinned or cursed God in their hearts. So Job did this continually. In other words, Job knew that in the sacrifice, in the burnt offering, he heard the voice of the heavenly council that declared us to be holy, declared us to be forgiven. This is a helpful insight into the whole of the Old Testament. For the temple and the priesthood and the sacrifices and all the serial, ceremonial laws and instruction regarding the divine service and the liturgy that were given to Moses by God were there so that the heavenly council, the voice of God, the conversation between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would be heard here on earth. And that conversation is about Jesus and His death and His resurrection and the forgiveness of our sins. That's how Job was holy. That's how Job was blameless and upright. That's how all the people in the Old Testament were forgiven of their sins, and it's how we're forgiven as well. When the Old Testament people would go to the, go to the temple, they, they would see the sacrifices happening. And this would be for them both law and gospel. Law, because they're watching the flames destroy a life. But gospel, because that life is not their own. Law, because they can see in the sacrifice the very thing that they deserve because of their sin under God's wrath. But gospel, because God is pouring that wrath out onto another. And all of this is a preaching of Jesus because we know that the blood of bulls and goats cannot forgive sins. That comes only from the sacrifice of God Himself. So, the devil comes to test Job and fight against this faith. 
We'll review. Job is a Christian. He's a sinner, but his sins are forgiven. God declares Job to be righteous in the heavenly council, that God is not mad at Job, and that Job knows with the knowing of faith that this is true. He trusts this promise because he goes to church and has the sacrifice. But the devil will now come along and try to, try to do his work to undo Job's faith. So that instead of trusting and knowing the Lord's kindness, the mercy of the Lord's voice, the devil wants Job to think that God is angry with him. That the Lord still has wrath to give to Job. That Job is not forgiven. And the devil brings this assault to Job's faith in two waves. The first is that he comes and he takes away everything that Job has. His possessions, his children, his health. So that Job, when we find him by the end of chapter 2, is sitting on an ash heap in, in sackcloth with no hair, ashes on his head, scraping the boils and festering wounds with a piece of pottery, and his wife there telling him to curse God. That's the condition that the devil puts Job in. And then, wave two, the devil will establish his own counsel, that is Job's friends, who are going to gather around Job and make an argument. They are going to say, Job, look at all of this bad stuff happening to you. This means that you are still a sinner and that God is mad at you. And this is the book of Job. The drama that unfolds. We have the heavenly council, which has already declared Job to be holy, blameless, and upright. And now we have the earthly council that's constantly pestering Job to think that he's still in his sins and that God is still mad. And here's the difficult thing. Everything that Job sees in his life, whenever he opens his eyes, everything that he feels in his body, every thought that runs through his mind runs contrary to the declaration of the heavenly council. Job looks around at his own life and sees all the testimony there and sees, surely God can't love me. He looks at his own body as it's festering away and says, surely God can't love me. He listens to his friends who declare, Job must be guilty, otherwise all these bad things wouldn't be happening. And Job must say that this must be true. Everything that Job hears and sees and feels points to this conclusion that God is punishing him for his sins. Everything testifies to this except for the sacrifice. So the book of Job runs like this. There is the demonic counsel telling Job that he's a sinner. And Job arguing back from the heavenly counsel saying, I am righteous. Got it? Now, toward, this is good except for towards the end of the book where Job gets a little bit carried away. And he there asserts his own righteousness rather than the righteousness that comes from the forgiveness of sins. Job, at the end of the book, finally says, look, I haven't done anything wrong. And a fourth counselor joins the conversation and says, Job, you've, you've gone too far. And then God himself comes down and agrees. In the end of the book of Job, God comes down and reminds Job of his own sin, his own weakness, the fact that he's created and God is the creator. And Job restores him to repentance. And then, and perhaps more, the Lord will then condemn the demonic counsel of Job's friends. 
And this, I think, is the most wonderful part of the book. After the Lord corrects Job, he turns to Job's friends. And the text reads like this. This is Job chapter 42, verse 7 and following. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, one of the demonic counselors, My anger burns against you and against your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you. And I will accept his prayer and deal with you not according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Naamathite went and did what the Lord had told them and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Do you, do you see what happens? At the end of the book, these three members of the demonic council are sent to Job by God Himself to make a sacrifice and that Job would pray for them. And now these three are also forgiven. These three who are the all along, who are the partner of the devil himself and part of this demonic council, these three are made righteous. Their name is spoken in the heavenly council. And the devilish counselors are now brought into the gracious conversation of the heavenly council. Do you see that the book of Job started out with the devil using these three to get Job from the Lord, but the book ends with the Lord getting these three from the devil. And all of this is for us. All of this is for our learning. All of this is an unfolding of our own lives. You, dear saints, are declared righteous and holy in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, written with the blood of Jesus that cannot be washed off. Your name, if you can believe this, your name is being spoken by Jesus to His Father and you are being declared holy and blameless and upright. Your sins are forgiven. You have the Lord's promises. And you know this because of the sacrifice. You know this because of the death of Jesus on the cross. But the devil comes to you constantly assaulting this faith. This trust that you have in the Lord's promises. The devil surrounds you with trouble and he says, how could that happen to you if God loves you? The devil surrounds you with friends who tell you that you don't need the Lord's forgiveness or that you don't have the Lord's forgiveness. And every single day, every day, the devil will offer to you some little evidence that God doesn't love you. Every single day, the devil will come to you in one way or another and say that God has forgotten you. The devil will provide every day a little temptation to doubt that Jesus' death was for you, that His blood covers your sins, that He smiles at you. Every day the devil brings this. 
And when we look at around at our own lives, we are tempted to agree. But, but against this, against all of this, stands one thing. The sacrifice. The death of Jesus on the cross. Which is, in the midst of all of our trouble, in the midst of every trouble that this life brings to you, this is the singular, unmoving, and certain testimony that God loves you. That your sins are forgiven. That in the heavenly council, you have been declared blameless and upright, holy, and righteous in the sight of God. And what God declares, nothing can undo. What God declares, though the devil would assault this declaration day and night, what God declares stands. And this word of the heavenly council, that you are holy and that you are forgiven, this word of the Lord stands and remains forever. Amen. May the conversation of the heavenly council that Jesus has died and raised for you. May it be your peace and your comfort, now and always, through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.